Woo! That was a tough one today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Lions lose 34-11. to 11, A game which saw this team go scoreless through three quarters. Lions weren't able to score until midway through the fourth quarter. And that was an Austin Seibert 35-yard field goal. Weren't able to get a touchdown until DeAndre Swift ran it in from two yards out with 2.15 to go. You know, here's the thing. Again, nobody is surprised that this that this team isn't very good. I mean, they are in a rebuild. They're a rebuild. They're, they're in the process of tearing this thing down to the studs. I mean, right, like like this is your uh, your fixer-upper on HGTV. They're tearing this thing down to the studs. And, and, and they got to rebuild it. And I think when you look at games like they've had this season, certainly against Baltimore last week against uh, uh, Minnesota, San Francisco to start the year where they rallied, you know, they they mount these second-half comebacks, and that's well and good. That shows the team's got a little fight in them. It seems, the, you know, the, the, the biting of the kneecaps, if you will. And so, you know, the, the problem is, is in a rebuild, sometimes you're going to get smacked in the mouth, and today was one of those days. But I think Dan Campbell was right at his post-game presser. We got whipped. That team is not 30-something points better than us, and that's a reflection on me. You know, one thing that I think Dan Campbell has done better than, uh, you know, almost any Lions coach in recent memory for me is he's incredibly uh, open. You know, he doesn't, he'll play some things close to the vest, but for the most part, he's really open with a lot of his answers. Last week, crying after a game, that means something. You know, that, that means he's he's very much invested into this. He's very much invested in the, to, to getting a win for his guys, who he says works really hard. That's good. And then when he says today, comes out, this team isn't 30 points better than us, and that's a reflection on me, good. That's right. Self-reflection here is a good thing. Now, again, um, you look at the way this thing shook out. Defensively, they did okay in that first half. Just okay. But for the most part, I mean, they were... I mean, geez. They were... The, the, the second half, they, they, they just... They were gassed, it seemed like to me. Just gassed. And so, again, I you know, it, it's tough because... You know, you don't score until the fourth quarter. You just have no shot at winning. They were able to to capitalize on an interception, couldn't do anything with it early in that game, where they had an opportunity to set the tone. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, 19 for 29, 271 yards, uh, interception, but ties his career high with three touchdowns, including one early on in their opening drive, 24 yards to former Michigan running back Chris Evans. Now the Lions, the only winless team in the NFL. 
They've lost 10 straight going back to last year, which I care less about. I, I, this is, for me, a this-year issue. This is a this-year you know, thing for this team. They're 0-6. It's it it's it's really tough, and I think from a fan perspective, right? Like the the issue here is even looking forward, because I think the idea that Jared Goff is going to be here for at least another year is probably pretty accurate. Now the Lions are on their way to you know potentially landing a a top three pick here. As they stand right now, they're the front runners for for number one overall. But Jared Goff today. 28 for 42 for 202 yards. That means he was averaging less than five yards per completion. And he threw a pick today. Oof. That's tough. Again, fans know we're in a rebuild. We all know they're in a rebuild. And I, you know, and can you expect them to mount a second half comeback every week? No. That's unrealistic, and today you saw why. And, you know, Jared Goff threw a, a high and wide pass to, to T.J. Hawkinson when they were just trailing 7 to nothing in the second quarter. They had an opportunity, um, and again, it, it, they didn't connect. Sounds like it was possible that Hawkinson ran a, a, a bit of a different route than what Jared Goff had been expecting. You know, they don't score a touchdown until two minutes left. That's That's tough. And, and, and here's another part. You, you talk about those second-half comebacks. The Lions have to get, they got, they got to get going immediately. You hear, you hear coaches talk about it all the time. You, you want to get off to a quick start. And that's important because you look at what the Lions have been dealing with for the last month. Third time in the last four weeks, shut out in the first half. Haven't scored a touchdown in the first or second quarters since their opening drive in week two against the Packers. And in that game, the Packers just ran away with it in the second half. So now you start to look at, at where this thing is, is going. And, and you wonder, you know, where's the first win? You, know, you ain't getting the next week against the Rams in L.A. against Matthew Stafford and company. Does it come against the, the four-loss Philadelphia Eagles? On on Halloween, possible. And you got the Steelers. You go back to back road games at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland. I mean, I don't think you're winning the, either of those games. Although the Steelers haven't been very good this year, so I think your first your first realistic opportunity here to get a dub is when you host Philly on Halloween. So it's tough. Look, I get it. It's it's tough. Nick Williams goes out with an ankle injury in the first quarter. You know, they're banged up. They got a lot of injuries to a lot of key players on this team, and that certainly doesn't help. But their receiving core is weak. They're banged up along the offensive line. Defensively, you're without arguably your best corner. You're, you're short on the D-line. Now Nick Williams out. I mean, it's look, it's tough. I get it. I get it. And, and and when you look at how this team has has fought against some of the, you know, games that they've played this year, it's good. It's what you want to see out of a team that's rebuilding. It's what you want to see out of a team that's trying to lay a foundation. But today, it just nothing was clicking. 
They couldn't find any sort of rhythm. They and they they couldn't find any sort of flow on offensively. And and the defense did what they could through the, most of that first half. And then after that, they were gassed. I mean, really. So it's tough. Look, I get it. It's frustrating, but I. I, I really believe, again, I, with the way that Dan Campbell has handled this thing, especially, you know, after the last couple of weeks, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster for him. It's what I like to see. We haven't seen that out of a Lions coach in, in I, I, I don't even know how long it's been, for a very long time. So I like the emotion out of Dan Campbell, didn't like the, the, the outcome today. But it seems to me like, you know, they're, they're going to do their best to get this thing turned around. So unfortunate today, Lions lose 34-11. to They fall to 0-6. And now, uh, Jason, as we talked about yesterday, who was going to get their first win, Jacksonville or Detroit? I told you it was going to be Jacksonville because they were playing Miami. And we saw some wacky things happen in London. And again today, Jacksonville kicks a game-winning 53-yard field goal to win that thing as time expires. Yeah, so that... uh, Uncle Herb says his first dub. Good for him. He needed one. <laughs> <laughs> he needed some sort of win. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, all right, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. I want to go. I want to uh, change gears up. We'll, we'll give you get you updated on some of the scores around the NFL. But um, the Michigan State Spartans continue to be a big time story here as they enter a bye week, going in uh, to that Michigan game on October thirtieth. It's going to be a massive game. I mean, you're talking about. Top 10 implications here. So we'll talk to our good friend Matt Charbonneau over at the Detroit News uh, about what what is on the horizon here for the Spartans. That's coming up next here on Sports Wrap. All right, Michigan State up two spots in the AP poll. They go to number nine as they enter into the top 10. And look, here's the deal. Is, is they've held up their end of the bargain. They head into the bye week undefeated. And they've got a big time matchup with Michigan State or with Michigan rather at Michigan State on October 30th. And you can just kind of feel everything bubbling under the surface here as we get ready for that one. Michigan's got one more uh, game ahead of that one, and and that should be a win as they take on Northwestern. But an interesting day yesterday is Michigan State kind of found a different way to win. We talked about it last night but certainly uh, this offense has been the focus here and and you know Matt Charbonneau with the Detroit News he joins us this evening on Sports Wrap and Matt when you look at how this thing shook out last night they needed to lean on the defense and and that unit came through for the Spartans yesterday and in in uh, against the Hoosiers yeah Chris it's been a while since Michigan State's been able to lean on their defense um you know, obviously we know in the championship years there for a while that how good mm-hmm. that defense was. And, you know, they weren't terrible towards the end of the D'Antonio run, but, you know, it wasn't what we were used to uh, from that unit. So to be able to see that yesterday, and not only that, but that defense came in and it was it was kind of hard to say exactly how good they were, right? I mean, they, they were keeping people out of the end zone. They were good in the red zone. They were getting after the quarterback a little bit, forcing some turnovers, but they were giving up tons of yards through the air was frustrating a lot of people. Um, but I think what you saw yesterday was, I think, what you can get out of this defense. They had, again, opportune turnovers, a couple big ones late. Obviously, they had to pick six early, um, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. But, you know, they they were able to limit the passing attack. I know that Indiana had their backup quarterback in there, but it's not like he's a nobody. I mean, 
he led him to a win at Wisconsin last year in place of Michael Penix. So um, I, I think you got to feel pretty good about the way the defense played. Obviously, there's some issues offensively. Um, yeah. But just to see that defense, the way they played, the, the big turnovers late, getting after the quarterback, getting off the field when they needed to, when it really mm-hmm. mattered. I think that's been, been kind of their calling card this year. And you kind of you kind of got to live with some of the yards early in the game, some of those sure. underneath passes that, that frustrate fans, and, and you wish you could get off the field a little bit more. But when it comes down to it, this team really, this defense really plays well in second half. They really play well in the red zone, and, and you got to feel good about that at this point. Yeah, and look, I think one of the, the questions that I had around the Spartans um, you know, even going into to Saturday's game was was with their defense, you know, especially in the secondary. They're a little bit susceptible, but they get good pressure up front. And and when you're getting that kind of pressure up front, that usually gives your your secondary a bit of relief as they, you know, look to blanket guys in, in either man or zone. But I thought it was interesting the way that they were using Tyler Hunt, the tight end yesterday, both, uh, you know, using him, you know, with the touchdown pass across the seam in the red zone. That was good, but then using him in that passing role, I mean, look, Hunt is a former place kicker, former punter, kind of a special teams guy, did a lot of stuff uh, with that unit, but but the way that they kind of modified the Philly special with him throwing to Peyton Thorne was interesting, and, and he was under dress and actually threw a pretty good ball. Peyton Thorne went up to go get and got a foot down for, for a pretty uh, wild completion, but I, they're mixing in some new stuff that, you know, certainly teams like Michigan are going to have to make note of. Yeah, I mean, we all, you know, every team's got a guy that was a punter, right? And now he's a, now he's a tight end. A tight end. Throwing the yeah. ball. I mean, of, course he, <laughs> right. of course, he scores the touchdown later in that drive, too. The funny thing about Tyler Hunt, what, you know, last year he was had one of their two rushing touchdowns last year, which was also kind of interesting. And this guy, you know, he was brought in by Mark D'Antonio, and Mark used to always talk about what a great athlete Tyler Hunt was. And we're like, you're talking about the punter, right, Mark? And it, it never really added up until these last couple of years. You're like, well, I guess Mark D'Antonio was right. This guy is a heck of an athlete. So, um, you know, we he got we, there was a little bit of luck there in that that reverse pass. I mean, he almost got sacked, and we saw the catch Peyton Thorn made. Um, yeah. But I mean, the guy's effective. I mean, it's if you can get past the, the whole idea that he used to be a punter, it's, it's um, you know he's he's been a guy that they can count on. He's he you know he blocks well. He's a physical guy. So I think they like him a lot. They feel they feel comfortable with him in there, and I think that's what matters the most. Um, and then if you can, hey, if you can get them to do some stuff like that, and, and look, this offense has, has shown they're willing to try stuff. They're willing willing to think outside the box. They finally had a flea mm-hmm. flicker that didn't work uh, yesterday, so they're only three for four yeah. on those now. Um, but look, it, it gets tougher. I think we've talked about this. It's going to get tougher every week. It's going to yeah. continue to as we look at that schedule. And look, seven, eight games in, the tape is out on you. Man, I mean, not right. every offense has to start adjusting at this point, and Michigan State's no different. So, you know, you're going to see that as the season goes. And I wouldn't give Kenneth Walker too much of a hard time yesterday. I mean, those 84 yards yeah. he got were pretty hard-earned yards. Um, and in the second half, some of them were effective. So, you know, I think it's we're, we're panic. Some people panic a little bit about the offense yesterday, but some of that is look. Indiana is not a bad defense at all. No, um, no, I think their record. I think, all, yeah. yeah. 
Yep, I agree. I think their record is absolutely deceiving. And I buddy text me, is Kenneth Walker still in the mix for a Heisman? I said, absolutely he is. He's putting up ridiculous numbers. And yesterday, you know, still damn near almost ran for 100 yards. So, yeah, I think I think he'll be fine. Obviously, he had a, a bit of a rough day, but they were hard-earned runs. Now, in the meantime, they got a bye, getting ready for Michigan in two weeks. What are some of the things uh, in your mind that they're going to spend these next you know, 14 days, less than 14 days now working on uh, to prepare for, for the Wolverines? A lot, lot of little things, a lot of the discipline and some of the decision-making you saw yesterday that was lacking that, that we really haven't seen a whole lot of this year. In the penalties, you had a lot. Again, you're getting, you know, legal formations on punts. I mean, you're not lining up the right way. Things like that, a couple of false starts. I'm not, you know, the the pass interference calls, whatever. Those are judgment calls. Right. Um, you certainly don't want to see a guy like Connor Hayward getting an unsportsmanlike conduct for talking to a guy. Uh, so stuff like that can easily be fixed. I think they're going to focus a lot on that in the next two weeks and on being disciplined and at the very least lining up properly because that's been a little bit of an issue the last couple of weeks. Um, so other than that, I don't, you know, you know, Peyton Thorne didn't play his best, but. You know, he made some poor decisions, but he's been pretty good all year, so it's not like you panic mm-hmm. with him either. So I think if they focus on some of those little issues, um, there, you know, a few missed assignments here and there that you haven't seen a lot of, especially with the offensive line. Um, cleaning up those small things I think is going to be a big focus because overall, I mean, you got to feel pretty good where they're at. So you, it, 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 that game was the perfect game for a coach, right? You, you find a way to win, but you got about 25 things on the punch list to fix and correct. So, you're, you know, you're going to have a solid week and a half or more to be able to work on those things. So I think that'll be that'll be a big uh, stretch for Mel Tucker and his staff to be able to do that. Yep, I agree. We'll touch base with you again next week and ahead of uh, the 30th because it's going to be a wild one, Matt Charbonneau. I always appreciate the time. Thank you, my friend. You got it, man. All right, there he is, Matt Charbonneau over at the Detroit News. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at, at what the Red Wings are doing. Um. Thomas Grice was really very good last night. Uh, 40 saves. Red Wings beat the Canucks 3-1. to one. Um, They've got three points on the season uh, because of that overtime loss against uh, the opening game against the Lightning. But this scene, t- team feels a little different here early on. You know, they're, 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 they're scoring some goals. It's not something we've you know seen uh, over the last couple of years. So we'll talk to our good friend Art Regner about that. Coming up next here on Sports Wrap. All right, we'll get to the Red Wings in just a second. Want to update you on uh, some of the scores around the NFL as we sit now. Really, uh, just a couple of minutes into the fourth quarter, Cardinals on top of the Browns, thirty to fourteen. The Raiders on top of the Broncos, twenty-four to ten. We talked about that game yesterday. That was going to be a crucial game for Vegas uh, without John Gruden this week, and and how they were going to respond so far in that divisional matchup. Uh, the Raiders look pretty good. Looks like they're going to improve to four and two. On the year, the Cowboys just taking the lead over the Patriots in the waiting moments of the third quarter, 17 to 14. That one at uh, Foxborough. Uh, Jaguars get their first win of the year. They beat the Dolphins 23 to 20 in London. The Packers take down the Bears 24 to 14. Aaron Rodgers with some uh, words after he scrambled for a touchdown, yelling to the fans uh, at uh, Soldier Field, I still own you. True, true story. Uh, Bengals beat the Lions 34 to 11 today. We talked about that. Joe Burrow pretty good. 19 for 29, 271 yards, three touchdowns. The Colts top the Texans 31 to 3. The Texans just 1 in 5 on the year as many expected. The Rams beat the Giants 38 to 11. Chiefs beat Washington 
31-13. Vikings over the Panthers, 34-28. That game went into overtime. Uh, it was the Ravens hosting the Chargers this afternoon. Ravens get the dub 34-6. Uh, tonight, Seahawks travel into Heinz Field to take on the Steelers. That one kicks at 820. In the meantime, uh, early on this season, the Red Wings have looked good. They won last night against the Canucks. Three to one. Uh, Art Regner coast the ho- horse uh, the uh, host of Word on Woodward with the Detroit Red Wings joins us to talk about it. Uh, you know, Artie, it, it just seems like you know just a couple of games into the year, but of course, even you know through the preseason, the the team has showed a propensity that they are able or at least capable of scoring more goals. That's not something we've seen over the last couple of years. That's a good sign as this team uh, you know starts this season. Yeah, without question, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, a, a couple of things. I mean, they were able to score some some more goals. I mean, that was a wild game opening night against Tampa. But another yeah. thing is is that they are standing up for each other. I think because Detroit's mm-hmm. such a young team, and I think Tampa tried it uh, and, and were successful at points because they went on the power play a lot. They're going to try to throw these guys off their game by running at them, taking shots. And I think the Red Wings, you know, are sending out a message as well as that, you know, they're drawing a line in the sand like we're not going to take it. And and they're not. And I think a lot of that has to do with what Dylan Larkin said Mm -hmm. uh, last week before the season began, that this is our time now. You know, we need to change the culture. We need to get back to where we are. And I think the team has bought into that. Well, you know, I, I, you bring up the Dylan Larkin stuff, and that's interesting because, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about it earlier this week after it happened, and in, in that Lightning game, uh, you know, Larkin gets taken in the boards hard. Remember, he's coming off that neck injury, so he gets taken in the board hard. His head was down. He didn't like it. He got up after a, a brief moment where I think we all kind of were holding our breaths after he was kind of face down on the ice. We are you know, hoping that Dylan gets up, finally gets up, and then takes a swing at the guy, and, and for me... I absolutely loved it because, you know, kind of in that same vein, you know, I like the idea of of creating an identity of being a a team that can kind of finesse you. But at the same time, they're not you're not they're not going to allow you to run roughshod over them like, you know, they have maybe in the years, a couple of years past. So for me, I like the 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 fact that this team is headed off by Dylan Larkin here creating this identity. I think that's a good thing. Well, right, and you're really you're correct about that. I mean, really, what happened in, in Tampa after Joseph uh, uh, cheap shotted Dylan is that nothing happened to Jamie Ben last year, the captain right. of the Stars, when he did that. Dylan immediately went off the ice. There was no review. There was no penalty. Uh, there was no fine. There was nothing. And you know, Dylan had a very long and hard rehab so much so that I think there were times that many of us wondered, would he be ready for the start of the season? Mm-hmm. And when he came back, I think to have essentially the first game, he, you know, he played against Dallas with his last game and he gets, you know, cross-checked to the neck. Same thing. Next game he plays um, against Tampa, same thing happens. And I think he said, you know, if the league isn't going to protect me, and they certainly did not, then I'm going to have to do it myself. I think, Chris, if you watch that play, however, that was an, an instant reaction when he went after Joseph and punched yes. him or, you know, yep. tried to grab him. I think he wanted to fight him. But when he went down, 
he went down and kind of covered up because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. He's hurt, you know? Yeah. And I think that even the uh, Lightning players and certainly the Red Wing players, Tyler Bertuzzi being one of them, realized that, you know, the it, the, it was a spontaneous reaction when he first got hit. But after that, when it, you know, when it ki- kicked in, Dylan yep. knew there's no way I should be fighting. And then the next day on Friday, he – before practice, he did a twirl on the ice and immediately left and is now mm-hmm. being evaluated. So we'll right. see. Hopefully tomorrow, uh, Jeff Blaschel, uh will be able to uh, give us an update on, you know, on Dylan's mm-hmm. condition. You know, and I just hope after everything he went through that, you know, that he's able to play, you know, Tuesday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets and that he isn't out for any period of time. Yeah, I think you're right about that. In the meantime, you know, the the, the Red Wings bring in Alex Nedeljkovic uh, in, in what, you know, I think we in the media viewed as Steve Eiserman fleecing another team, and, and, and Thomas Grice continues uh, to be on this roster as well. He played really well last night. Grice fo- made 40 saves in that 3-1 win over the Canucks. Um, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this uh, th- this this goaltender tandem here because I think Nedeljkovic, being a, a really young guy, has showed a lot of promise early on in his career, but Grice is somebody that I think this team can lean on, and, and at, at, even at times last year played really good. So I think this th- this team kind of has a nice yin and yang with, with a young guy and, and a veteran like Grice. Well, I agree with you. I mean, Thomas Grice was the COVID goalie last year, and Bernier got hurt. And, uh, you know, at one time, and it might have carried up through the whole season, I probably should have checked this out, he was the goaltender that got the least offensive support in the league. So if he wasn't a pitcher mm-hmm. to shut up or only give it up one or two goals, right. chances were he was losing. And so then he turned it around. And at the end of the season, because Bernier was injured, Thomas Grice was phenomenal. He was among the league leaders in goaltending statistics. Well, obviously last night, I mean, Vancouver – who's a high-powered offensive team, fired 40-plus shots at him. And, you know, he was outstanding. And I think 23 of those shots were in the third period. And so, you know, he won the game. He was the number one star. I think, you know, everybody that was there last night, anybody who saw it, and I think the Red Wings would all admit, if it wasn't for, as we like to call him, Tommy G, it never, uh, (laughs) you know, the Red Wings could have definitely been on the wrong end of the scoreboard. Yeah, no, I think you're you're right about that, and the, and and of course, all of this is this is a very different looking Red Wings team uh, than we've seen in years past. I mean, they're young, they've got a lot of skilled players, but they've got a lot of guys that that still we, we you know I think the book's still out on them a little bit, and especially on defense. You know, you, you you've got the veterans in there like Danny DeKaiser who can who can show these guys along the way, but. But there's a lot of really young talent here. And, and again, kind of even going back to how Steve Eiserman built the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's very similar where you've got a lot of young guys, a couple of veterans that are going to show them the way. But through good drafts, shrewd trades, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman was built, was able to build the Tampa Bay Lightning into what they are today. And, and I think, you know, it, we're kind of seeing that, you know, now here in Detroit. Well, he's certainly following that blueprint. You know, I really want to say something because I – I didn't mean to ignore you about Nadalkovich. Nadalkovich is a bit of a question mark because heading into this season, he only played 29 games in the league, you know, but he is young. He's 25 years old. So you have to, uh, uh, and you know, and you're right. Pairing him with Thomas Grice, who's obviously 36 or something like that. 
you know, he can show him kind of the ropes, you know. I don't, I'm not going to say the biggest question mark heading into this season is where, where Nadalkovich is because I think everybody thinks that he's going to be more than adequate in net for the Red Wings and, and could mm-hmm. quite possibly be their goaltender of the future. But that is a storyline to watch as this season develops. Exactly where is Nadalkovich? Because as encouraged as we are by the Red Wings' start, the Detroit Red Wings are not the Carolina Hurricanes. And so uh, that's no. a little different. But, uh, but with that said, uh, I, I think right now that um, Mo Sider could be their best defenseman already. And mm-hmm. uh, the thing about him is, is that he's big, but he's unflappable. Yep. He's completely unflappable. He's calm, cool, he's collected. The Red Wings have thrown a lot of stuff his way since they drafted him in 2019. Not only has he answered the bell or kicked the door down, I mean, he has run through it. I mean, he has, you know, been uh, Swedish, uh, the SHL Swedish Hockey League defenseman. Sider led them in ice time last night. Uh, and, you know, he's just, a, he's just an incredible player. There was a point this, I don't know, Chris, if you remember this or not during the preseason, because obviously I watch all the games. Um, Patrick Laine undressed him and, yep. you know, and went in and scored a goal. Well, Sider talked about it, and he, you know, and they, because they're playing Columbus on Tuesday night, it was kind of funny, and this is what I really like about him, is he talked about Laine, and he says, well, you know, I've got to learn, like, that Laine move. You know, um, I've seen it now, so I've got to make sure that doesn't – I, I got to make sure that doesn't happen again. And then he smiled and said, but it really sucked, you know, but he was kind of yeah. laughing about it. You know, I like that. I like that attitude. I mean, he's serious. He's all business out on the ice yet. Yeah. You know, he's able to put it in perspective. And for a guy only being 20 to do that, you know, that's, uh, that that's pretty impressive. And then don't forget Lucas Raymond is a player. I don't think, yep. you know, I know everyone says, yep. well, you'll only be up here for nine games. And then his contract kicks in. I would be stunned and shocked if he hits the nine game mark and they send him to Grand Rapids. Yep. I, I completely agree with you already. Always good to talk with you, my friend. Uh, there, there is nobody dialed in more like Art Regner, the host of word on Woodward, uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. Thank you, Art. I appreciate you. My, my pleasure, Chris. Sorry. I'm a little bit, for some reason, under the weather, my voice is going, but, uh, anytime it's always great talking to you. We've been buddies a long time and, uh, I really enjoy your work. Thanks. Uh, you, you sound like a million bucks already. Take care of yourself, will you? All right. All right. Talk to you. There he is, Art Regner. All right. Coming up next, uh, look, we got a couple of things to talk about. We're, we're going to bring in Sean Belegian. Uh, of course, uh, he and uh, Bill Keenest host Gridiron Rap. That's going to come your way at 7.05 right here on Sports Rap uh, or right here on. <laughs> uh, and, and today, mind you, we, we had a very. Uh, uh, you know, special moment in Michigan sports history happened this day, six years ago. We're going to talk about that next. Coming up, don't go anywhere. Rough day for the Lions. They lose thirty-four to eleven to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was rough. Jared Goff twenty-eight for forty-two, two hundred two, uh, averaging less than five yards a, a catch. It's just rough. Had a pick. You know, DeAndre Swift doesn't score his touchdown till what, a little over two minutes left in that game? Lions didn't score until midway through the fourth quarter. It's just, it, look, it's rough. And and unfortunately, you can't count on a second-half comeback every week. You just can't. Uh, and, and so 
this team's got to get out to a better start out the gate, and that's just that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, we got the gridiron wrap coming your way at seven oh five right here on WJR. Uh, one half of the duo joins us uh, now on Sports Wrap. Sean Belegian. Hey, Shawnee. What's up, pal? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Rough game today down at Ford Field, eh? Yeah, you know what, uh, Chris? Honestly, this is one of those things. If you didn't see this coming before the season, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Um, I know you and I <laughs> talked about it. I Look, it, it was time to blow this up, and you can never – have a coach mm-hmm. or a general manager come out and say, uh, we're not good. We're, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're gonna stink for the highest pick we can possibly get. But, um, you, look, that's what they're doing. They're, they're playing the long game here. And, and I'm going to say it again. I've been saying it all, Chris, I don't have a problem with it. it. It was time. They didn't have enough going on. Uh, you know, get those draft picks. You have those draft picks from the, Stafford deal yep. and uh let, let's see what happens a couple years from now you know here here's the thing that I think that from a fan perspective they'll have an issue with nobody disputes that this thing's a rebuild I told you they're, they're tearing this thing down to the studs but the problem is is you look at games like San Francisco or Baltimore or Minnesota where there's a lot of fight there's a lot of there's a lot of effort there and that leads to points um, today, there there just was an effort. They they weren't able to get anything going offensively in that first half, really, through most of the, the second half either. Um, but, but they were just kind of spinning their wheels, tried to lean on the defense, which is incredibly banged up. They tried to hold their own, and, and then in the second half, things just kind of fell apart. They weren't able to, 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 to get any traction on that unit themselves. And so I think when you get blown out to a Cincinnati team that's good, like they're good, they ain't winning a Super Bowl. Um, when you get blown out by by 23 points, I think fans are going to look at that a little sideways. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I think, Chris, whether people want to admit it or not, you know as well as I do, we have a tendency as sports fans uh, in this town to somehow um, you know, be very, very happy about a guy and excited about a guy, and when the, uh, the guy isn't doing so well, well, I never thought that much of him and everything. And I think Jared Goff is, I think Jared Goff is the latest in a long yeah. line. And you know, as a Michigan fan, I think they have a tendency to do that with a lot of the Michigan quarterbacks. I think Jared Goff is is the latest in, in that line. And, you know, this I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with people in the months leading up to the season saying, I, well, everybody's too hard on Jared Goff or you're too hard on Jared Goff. And I, I just said, no. look, I'm, I'm just telling you what happened the last couple of years. He had a fantastic season. You know, going three years back, taking them to the Super Bowl. The last couple of years, he's really struggled. He's a guy that he doesn't take a lot of shots downfield, and he's been a turnover machine. And that's what we've yeah. seen this year. I mean, you know, he's not taking a lot of shots, and he turns the ball over too much. So, um, you know, listen, I, I think he's a fine quarterback as as the bridge to the next guy. I, I really do. I felt that way when they made the deal. I feel that way today. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I do like the way that that Dan Campbell has approached, uh, you know, the media, not only, uh, you know, before games during the week, but after games, especially, you know, these last couple of weeks, he got emotional last week. That was, you know, something kind of refreshing to see. I don't think we've seen a, a coach here in. I, I mean, look, I don't know how long it's been a long time since we've had a coach like Dan Campbell where he's he's really open. And, and, you know, in, in the in the event that he gets emotional, I think fans latch on to that. And, and in today when he says, look, we got our butts kicked, there's no way that team is 30 points better than us. And, and that's a reflection on me. 
that's a refreshing take. In the meantime, uh, I, I want to look. Nobody's ever said that I wasn't a good friend, and and I want to be a good friend to you. Six years ago, we had something happen in this state that was one of the most unbelievable sports plays in our state's history, and I want to revisit that for you right now. Jason, Aww. play the cut. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. There you go, Sean. That's for you. It was, where were you at, Chris? That's one of those moments, you know, there's always moments, where were you at when this, that, or the other thing happened? Where were you at when that happened? Um, Okay. So here's the story on that in a nutshell. All right. All right. Um, I got married on October 23rd, 2015. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a Spartan. We were, we were in our apartment. We were, we were finalizing the, the, you know, the last couple of days before we got married. And, 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 and I was, I think I fell to the floor. I think I felt I was we were watching this thing. I was standing up. I was all I was very excited. Blake O'Neill was who had a fantastic year that year uh, was going to just bomb this thing away and we were going to seal it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's first game against Michigan State. I was you know, I was getting ready. I had my Michigan socks ready for for the wedding. Um, You know, I was I was going to walk down the aisle one and oh against my Spartan wife. And and things took a tragic turn after that. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. I, listen, it one in a million play. I own it. That that's a you know so many people have turned that into something that that it simply wasn't. It was a one in a million play. And and you know what, yeah. Chris, I you never apologize for a win. Michigan State obviously went on to to win the Big Ten that year. Never apologize yep. for a win. You know, I mean, it's a, nope. that was a. Pretty special era, you know, when when you look at that three-year span in particular for Mark D'Antonio's squads, they lost two whole games in the Big Ten, for goodness sake. It was a pretty yep. special era. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. In the meantime, we got Gridiron Rap coming up. You and Bill Keen is coming up at 7.05. I enjoyed your conversation last week about Joe Gibbs. Uh, you know, y- Joe Gibbs doesn't get a lot of run as, as being one of the, you know, the, the greatest coaches in NFL history. I want to throw this one out here to you uh, and, and do with it what you will. If Joe Gibbs is the best, he's the best the NFL ever had as a head coach. Who's the worst? Oh, my goodness gracious. Boy, we could sit here for a while. I mean, there there <laughs> are guys that got, you know, I mean, obviously everybody wants to start with the Lions and go, well, Rod Marinelli went 0-16. Yeah. But I, I don't, listen, that that roster was so, go back and look at that roster from yeah, 2008. Terrible. It was so bad. Uh, that's yep. a great question. That's something to chew on. You know, I mean, he, he, listen, Joe Gibbs, I, to me, when, when you have that conversation, I, I'm always surprised why Joe Gibbs name doesn't come up in that conversation. I'm not necessarily saying he's the best, uh, but that's a, the cool thing about doing a show with uh, Bill is, is he's got a million stories and he's worked with so many of these guys and it, it's fun to, to hear Bill share some stories and Larry Foote's going to be a guest tonight. That's a Michigan guy, as you well know. Yeah. So, uh, look forward to hearing uh, from Larry Foote and certainly some stories from Bill, as always. Yeah, no doubt about it. Adam Gase is a terrible NFL coach, by the way. Can oh I just goodness. throw that out there? Yeah, my <laughs> goodness. 
don't know if he's the worst, but he he stinks. Who is that guy um, that took over for for Parsa? Ray Handley, like the guy in New York, oh, yeah. he was a disaster as well. Well, you know, there's a lot of really good coaches that that didn't make it in the NFL. I mean, heck, uh, Bobby Bobby Petrino wasn't very good in the NFL either. All right, yeah. anyway, Gridiron Rap coming your way next. Sean Belegian, Bill Keenest, uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll talk to you next weekend right here on WJR.